Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. In the creation story, on day one, it says that God creates light. At the end of day one, he says, and it was good. Day two creates um, an expanse, separation between, you know, water and the sky and the ground and, and all this. But at the end of day two, he doesn't say, and it was good. He doesn't say anything about it. And that was day two. But then when you get to day three, twice he says, it was good. It was good. There's this thing about three that just shows up in places. One represents this unity. It's one thing. We are a united force. We are one. We act as one. There are many parts to the body, but there is just one body. But day two creates two sides. Are you left-brained or right-brained? Right? Are you left-handed or right-handed? And it creates an opposite. But then on day three, or the number three, it brings about this unifying thing that reaches out and touches both sides of the world. It reaches and it touches heaven. And then there's this in-between place. And it's as if for us as Christians, we're called to walk with one foot on earth and one foot in heaven at all times. To always be thinking about the next place, but you can't escape this one now. With this go-between. Mediator like Jesus was for us. If you follow this number three a little further, here's something that you'll see. If you take the creation story in the book of John, and the Spirit hovered over the water, you see the Spirit. And then God said, let us create man in our own image. You see the three and one. You look at the book of John, and John brings that point back. He was with God in the beginning. There's this idea that three resembles this unifying, not just we are a united front, but this thing that now we are a cohesive and complete unit. The word actually uh, is compared to the word stability. There is stability in threes. It, it, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. When you get to the transfiguration, through Jesus' ministry, he's got Peter, James, and John, and he takes them to this, this mountain, and they're kind of praying. And then it says that Jesus is illuminated, and the word that is used is um, metamorpheo in the Gospel of Luke. Metamorpheo, where we get our word, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That's where metamorpheo, okay? This, this word means like changed in a way to where it's like lightning is striking, but constantly. Like when the sky lights up on a dark night and the lightning strikes, there's this flash and you can see everything crystal clear and then it goes away and you can't see anything, right? This is the opposite. This is, it strikes and it doesn't go away and it stays that way and Jesus is like, what, is there something wrong with my face? And you're like, except I can't see, you know? Like he's just, 
And it says that he's changed before them. And then two people accompany him. So Peter, James, and John are watching. And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah and Jesus are there, three. And then Peter says something kind of weird. <laughs> it's a really great, it's a really great read. Peter's got a lot of ideas. I feel like him sometimes in a lot of ways. Like, I could deny Jesus real quick, but if he's got some good ideas, I'm, I've got some too, you know? Like, and so Peter, like, real quick says, it's good that we're here. We should build some tents. To which I think everybody else looked at him like, and, if, and in my mind, like, Moses and Elijah probably leaned over to Jesus and was like, is this what, all you can find? Like, <laughs> these are the ones right, right here? They're going to save the world, right? They want to build, they want to hang... They want to hang sheets over the sofa. This is what these guys want to do? All right, sweet. So what you have is threes. But Peter says this. It is good that we are here. We should build three tabernacles. The number keeps showing up. Um, the Jewish idea about life and death worked this way. If you died and resurrection was actually going to happen, it would happen on day three. Because it wasn't until day three that you were absolutely confirmed dead. Which seems like a long time to wait. Paramedics, nurses, doctors, any of you are like, yeah, we knew before that. <laughs> Pretty sure. You know, rigor mortis. I mean, like, but in the Jewish mind, three days. So then you get this. Jesus gets word that his, his friend Lazarus is sick. And the scripture says, and he stayed two more days. Do you know how far away Bethany was from Jerusalem? Two miles. Jesus stayed two days. If you're friends with Jesus and that's your brother and you're like, Jesus, you want to come? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get over there quick. It's two, it's two miles. And from what I see and what I know about Jesus, he could do it from where he's at, right? But he's not. And he waits. By the time he gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Mary, I mean, Martha meets him there and she's just like, had you been here earlier, do, do you get the tone? Now there's nothing you can do. And Jesus lets the three days go by and adds an extra. Move the stone. And everybody's like, move the stone, weirdo? Move it? Move the stone. Lazarus, come out. Right? <laughs> That's what happens here. Mm -hmm. You know? Unwrap that dead man. Everybody's like, oh, sorry. Three. 27 books um, in the Old Testament. Three to the third. Whoa, right? Um, Jesus is put on the cross. Anybody know what hour? Yeah. And then he dies on the uh, 
on the uh, sixth hour or the ninth hour. And then there's three hours of darkness. The number three also suggests God's will is being done. Three. So when it shows up and there's something that happens, God's will must, this must, it's fallen into place. Have you ever heard people say, well, it happens in threes? Way weird, huh? What happens in threes? So what you see is this. Matthew writes the first three miracle stories and he says, check God out over here. Like that's Jesus, check God out over here. And then he writes these, these, these next three miracle stories. So here's the first one of today's three. And Jesus finishes teaching and he sees the crowds approaching. Jesus is kind of like Tupac sometimes because he just kind of like it's me against the world and he just will remove himself kind of gangster like that. And it says, this is what it says. The last phrase that Jesus says from last week, if you remember, let the dead bury the dead. You're like, whoa. The next thing, he saw the crowds coming and he said, let's get in a boat. So they get in a boat and they take off. Now, there's an interesting thing that happens in the book of Matthew compared to the other uh, gospel writers that write this story, that, that also tell this story. Matthew never mentions rain. So they go out on the water and suddenly the wind and the waves are going ballistic. There's no mention of rain. You've seen the videos, right? Jesus calms the storm. You've watched them? Seen it on the Bible or maybe uh, a YouTube video or, or, or something. It's always rain. There's always rain. Matthew, Matthew's suggesting there's no rain. In fact, the word that Matthew uses is seismos. You know, like seismograph. You know, like an earthquake. And the word's used 14 times in the New Testament, and only one time is it interpreted storm, and that's in this story. Every other time, it's earthquake. Matthew is suggesting that maybe there's something going on beneath the surface of the water that was a little more violent than just a storm. So the waves and the wind are beating this boat to pieces. <laughs> Check this out. So much so that it's hiding, is the word that he uses, hiding the boat. Now, I've been in like a, I don't know, a 12-foot uh, bass boat, or like a 12-foot, like John boat, like a flat-bottom boat with my father-in-law, with like a, a two-horse, you know, motor on the back, on the lake, on a still day. And I thought to myself, Lord save us, we're all going to drown. But I'm not real, I'm not like a sailor on, on, any, on any level at all. I gotta spend a lot of time on the water. So like I wouldn't know, I don't have a measuring device for this. But you gotta remember, these guys are fishermen. So they're out on the water and, and it gets so bad that salty sailors are looking at the Lord like, which is, which is kind of funny when you think about it like this. They're asking the son of a carpenter, what do we do about this, this storm? It's coming in over the side. We're all gonna drown. And it, Jesus was asleep. You know what I love about this? This is where the human and the divine collide. Now, I get accused oftentimes of making Jesus a little too uh, much like us in my, in my preaching, in my mindset. 
But here's my deal. I'm not okay with the Jesus that, that could somehow super, that could just step above our trouble and then move on and then hold me to an unrealistic standard. I'm not okay with that. Maybe you are. I'm not. I want to know that it was hard for him too. And Jesus is worn out because he's been spending time with people. Have you ever spent time with people and got exhausted? Probably not. But if, we should come off the holidays, right? And it's like, <laughs> I mean, and so Jesus falls asleep and he's sleeping so hard. Like, here it is. I could sleep through an earthquake. Jesus did. Jesus did. And they wake him up. Lord! Lord! Now you gotta remember, like, there's a bunch of disciples in this boat. Most of them know what they're doing. Jesus is sound asleep. And so they start to wake him up. Lord! Lord! And Jesus has one reply. And I think he said it while he was getting up, which makes it funnier in my mind, all right? I think he says it when he gets up. He's just like, you, you have little faith. You know, like in my mind, like, I think it happened as he, oh, you have little faith. Like, Almost like put out, but not put out, but like little faith. And he steps out on the out on the edge of the boat and chides is the word, rebukes. Hey, 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 hey! Calm. Calm down. And the wind and the waves are like, sorry. We'll be we'll be good. Sorry. I got these two dogs at my house, and when I step outside, they go, hey, both of them roll over and pee on themselves. <laughs> now, from the end of the driveway, it looks a little, it looks sketchy. But when I show up and I, and I step out, hey, you know, like, sorry. And the wind and the waves... Sorry about that. My bad, my bad, Jesus. In my mind, here's what's happening. Some of them don't know that Jesus is awake and he's getting ready to talk to them, and so they're still screaming at the same time. He calms the wave. Oh, we're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. Oh, you're you're awake. <laughs> like in my mind, like I'm seeing this thing unfold, and like it just still. It's interesting. There's this word, a great storm or a great seismos comes up on to so much so it envelops or hides or conceals the boat. And then it says, then a great calm. Then a great calm. Can I, can I jump way off topic for just a second? I don't know what storm is in your life. I don't know what, what the ground beneath you is doing right now. I don't know what's coming over the side of your boat. I don't know how great it is, how big it is, how, how, how strong it is, what's crushing you. Here's what I do know, though. Anytime Jesus acts, he will equal the force that is coming against you. He will equal it. Just a great storm? No, great storm, then a great calm. So much so that everybody should have been like, can you believe the size of these waves to... Wasn't we, weren't we drowning a minute ago? This is way weird. And then they reached the other side. What was the point? I don't know. Maybe they were getting cocky. Step into my boat, Jesus. 
I'm a sailor. Yeah, I don't like to brag. And then all of a sudden something happens. Doesn't even wake Jesus up. And he just tells it to stop and it stops. Is that what it is? I don't think so. But we gotta build, we gotta build on it. There are times in life to where one or two things will go wrong, and here's what happens to us. Let me speak for me. Maybe this is you too, but here's what will happen to me. One or two bad things will come up, and I will muscle my way through them. Are you with me? I will just bear down, deal with it. This is not one of those situations where I need to cry out to the Lord. It's, it's just a thing, right? It's just a small little thing. It's no big deal. And no sense in like bothering Jesus with all my, oh my gosh, Lord, what am I going to do? Whatever. Like, just go on through it. Then there are those times to where your whole life is kind of like a 747, and the pilot comes over the deal, and he's like, uh, put your seatbelts on. We've lost all engines. What are you going to do in that moment? I have this weird, I have this weird, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like immaturity or, I don't, I don't know what it is. I am more comfortable when everything's falling apart than when just a few things are falling apart. Because when it's just a few things, I will forget the Lord. But when the, but when the waves are hiding my boat, look, he's either going to save us or he's not. That's the only option. We are at a place right now, we are at a crossroads, we are at a breaking point to where we will not move forward in our marriage and our relationship. This is the end. The waves are over the top. The health of our children, the waves are over the top. The, the, uh, the, our job, our workplace, our friendships, our relationships, the waves are over. Look, here's the deal. He's either going to save us or he's a liar. our only option go ahead put your seatbelt on it will do no good he's either going to save you or he's not here's what I know more times than not I am the one that's unfaithful not him he always comes through <laughs> I don't he holds the line and I've watched him do it over and over and over save me from situations that I shouldn't have been saved from but he did and now when the waves are coming in over the side of the boat what am I going to do? nothing absolutely nothing I'm going to do that thing to where I cry out and I say I'm pretty sure I'm going to die and I'm going to wait for the equal force to come back and push against the circumstances and the situation in my life next story they reached the land and as soon as they do I don't know where this place is or how eerie of a place it is it says two men emerge both of them demon possessed they live in the tombs alright it's already creepy isn't it it's already weird they live in the tombs and they are so violent and so scary Matthew must have done a little investigative journalism because he must have like had a conversation with him like do you guys like come near here no so what does this mean about what we do with our dead in this area if these people live inside of the cemetery and they're demon possessed and they're violent what are they doing with their dead people how are they getting closure from these from these these uh, the loss of a loved one what are they what are they doing so we don't go near that area because this thing these things these two men are so absolutely terrifying Another one says this, they had chained them up so that they could just keep them in one place and they were so strong they broke the chains. 
eerie. And they come out screaming, and Jesus meets them. You know what you don't hear in this story? Jesus does not turn around and be like, why are you guys back in the boat? You don't hear it. But you can see why. I mean, you can see how you would want to be. I'm not going to wait in a car, you know. Uh, but they don't. Here's what else you don't hear. You have little faith. You don't hear that either. What just happened? What just changed? In fact, he looks at the demon-possessed men and he says this, what's your name? Okay, of course, imagine this, like how weird this was. My name's Legion, for we are many. We? In there? Like inside there? There's a lot of you in there? Yes, several of us. Yes, several of us. Okay, don't creep me out. Then they say this, what do you want with us? Did you come here and check out this? They open up this whole nother story, this whole new world to everybody else. This, this theological war that's going on that we can't see. Did you come here to get us before the appointed time? Can you imagine if you're the disciples? You're like, is there an appointed time? What is happening right this minute? And they begin to just try to banter with Jesus. And they say, we know who you are, you son of God. Don't hurt us. Don't harm us. Just send us into the pigs. Herd of pigs on the side. Jesus says one word. Go. The pigs go crazy and run right off the side. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of bacon that was lost that day. A lot of bacon that was lost that day. Here's what else is interesting. Those people probably weren't supposed to have bacon anyway. They had lost their connection with their Jewish roots a long time ago. And they weren't supposed to. Jesus shows up and wrecks the economy. Have you ever thought about like politics and like, well, I mean, a good economy is a healthy thing. And when Jesus shows up to different places, he kind of screws up that whole idea. Jesus is kind of about like, I'm not going to share the temple with anybody else. Not your gods, not your stone faces on the sides of mountains. And not that, not that paper and those metal, those metal tokens in your pocket. Not sharing it. And Jesus shows up and he screws up, he screws up the bacon economy. Yeah, but, the, but see, the bacon ran off into the water, right? So we, we screwed up the water. We screwed up a lot of stuff. Jesus just said one word. One word. And Jesus decimates everything that they had been working hard for. Everything. Go. <laughs> uh, now the Red Cross is bringing water. Now we're eating chicken. But you never hear him turn to the disciples and say, why are you in the boat? You have little faith. Here's what I see. You need, you need to be put in situations to where the waves are coming in over your boat. You absolutely need it. Do you know why? So your faith will grow because the next situation, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. Oh, and it's terrifying. It's horrible. I don't want any more pain or faith. Just leave me alone and I'll love you from where I'm at and don't come over here. But you need the brokenness. Like you need to be scared to that level of like, okay, Lord, I'm drowning. And then the next step to where you look up and you go, this doesn't scare me. Why? Because you don't know where I just came from. You don't know what I just saw him do. 
Aren't you worried right now? I can't be worried. You should have seen what I saw. We were in a boat. I've been on the water since I was born. I've never seen a storm like that. I've never felt an earthquake like that. I've never been in a boat that was that high off the ground. Oh, uh, he said, calm down, and it did. And now you expect me to be scared in this situation? I'm not scared in this situation. Had it not been for that situation before, I would be. We need these things. Third story. Jesus is teaching in a house. And there's a lame man whose friends show up and the house is crowded and they can't get the man in the door. Nobody wants to move. Nobody wants to get out of the way for the lame man. So what they do is they climb up to the roof and they begin to tear away at the thatch that's on top of the roof. And then these guys, they, uh, um, they lower him down on ropes on this pallet and they're, and they're going, which could have been disastrous um, and, and comedic had it gone you know, so I'm like, what? Ow, you, are you all right? I was already lame. It's good. No, no damage done, you know. And he says, uh, brings him down in front. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Is, it, is that why you came? You put yourself on the on the mat? Is that why you came? Okay, thanks. I hope that's step one. Hope to do a little jogging this afternoon. So, your sins are forgiven. There's these religious elite in the room. And they begin to think to themselves, you can't say that. That's, an off, that's, a, that's, that's out of bounds. You can't say that. Only God can forgive sins. Who does this guy think he is? Jesus hearing what they're thinking, says, why do you think such things? <laughs> of course, they're like, I don't know what you mean, you know. Which is more difficult? He begins the dialogue. Which is more difficult? To say to somebody their sins are forgiven or to rise and walk? Which is harder? Well, interesting. If you really mean forgive sins, forgive sins. I don't know how to do that either, do you? Forgive sins. No. But I also don't know how to tell somebody to stand up and walk either. But so that you know the first happened, stand up and walk. And the man stands up, puts his mat underneath his arm, and walks away. You know what's interesting? Is uh, I had surgery on my leg like, uh, like right around four months ago three and a half, four months ago. And it still doesn't work right now. Like it's okay, but it doesn't work right. You've had this experience, right? To where you had a surgery, you had something done, you hurt yourself years ago, and that shoulder, it still isn't exactly right, right? And this man, who has been crippled for who knows how long, not walking at all, Jesus raises him up and does physical therapy all at one time. Bada bing. Go on. And the man's like, well, I'll... Like, I couldn't remember how to ride my exercise bike because I couldn't figure this motion out because it was stuck in a boot for so long. Like, so I'm riding the bike and I'm like, I feel like a transformer, you know? 
And this guy stands up and walks out. But that's really not the, that's really not the, the impressive part. The impressive part is this. If you don't go through the first storm, and then you don't go through the second storm, then how in the world do you get to that place to where you can look at God and trust Him with what's going on inside of you? Do you know why we have to embrace pain and, and brokenness and trouble in this life? Why we have to embrace it? Why we can't just push it away from us and run away? We have to embrace it for this reason. You need that because it puts a mark on you. It opens up a capacity in you so that you can get to the next level, the next place with the Lord, to where now we're moving from completely physical to somewhat of a spiritual war that's going on to now down to this very thing that every single one of us have wrestled with on our own pillow at night, and that's this. Am I really forgiven for all the garbage I've done? Because I still feel guilty for a lot of it. The only rest we can find in whether or not we are forgiven, whether or not we can be made whole, completely whole, is this. The first storm that, that, that beat me down, that scared me, and I relied on the Lord. The second one opened up my eyes to the fact that, you know what? He He's the one with the power. And if I saw him do those two things, and then he looks at my life and he says, you're forgiven. Do you know what I am? Whether you like it or not, forgive me. Yeah, but Jared, you've done a lot of bad stuff. So what? I don't care what you think. Jesus and I are okay. He and I are okay. If you are in a place to where you and Jesus don't feel like you're okay, and you're looking at the world around you and everything is just breaking around you, listen, you, hold on. Like, hold on right where you are. Hold on. Because here's the deal. He's trying to convince you of something. He's walking you step by step into that place to where he can say, now listen, me and you are good. Don't ever doubt that. Me and you are good. We're okay. Look, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and uh, you want to talk to somebody about that? I want you to find me. I want you to catch me after church. Run me down. Um, let's, sit and, let's sit and talk about that because uh, that's important. It's important. He loves you. He forgives you. Um, what he wants in your life is for your greatest joy, for your greatest joy. Not out to smash your world. Might feel like it, but he's not out to smash your world. He wants to convince you how much he loves you and to put you back together and make you whole in the beginning. So uh, next week, we're going to talk about the next three and then we'll move on.